In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to Awaken180WeightLoss.com. And you made this... Welcome back to the Dagger podcast, where we cover all things NBA and the top news in all of basketball. I am Tabor Call. I am joined by the goons, Dion Franklin, DJ Johnson. Say what's up to the people. What's that? Name? What up? Shameless plug. Follow us on social media at the Scott Dagger Podcast. Interact with us. Keep up to date with everything we got going on. We love hearing from you today. We finally have a huge trade in the NBA after months of waiting for Donovan Mitchell. He has been traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. What? Are we surprised? And how good are the Cavs now with Donovan Mitchell? Talk about that today. Mm -hmm. And we have our full Atlantic Division preview today. We are going through each division and talking a little bit about all 30 teams in the association. We're talking Celtics, Nets, Knicks, Sixers, Raptors. Prepare yourselves. But first, you guys already know how it works. We got some awards to give out. Hooper of the Week, Good Hustle Award. Dion, take it away with your Hooper of the Week. All right. So this week, there's been a lot unusual amount of hoops this summer. Uh, but one player stood out to me this past week. For going 43-9-3 and in the round of 16 of the Euro Basketball 2022 playoffs. Ladies and gentlemen. sure about that stat line? I am very sure. I am very sure. I quintuple checked. I quintuple checked. And I watched the highlights. Laurie Markkinen balling out of control for his country. Finland bringing him to the quarterfinals of the Euro Basketball uh, and they will be facing Bo Cruz and the rest of the Spanish team. Uh, but what's more impressive about this is that he's the only NBA player on, on the Finland team, and he hooped against Dario Saric, Zubak, Bogdanovich, and Europe's very own Kobe Bryant, Mario Izonia, and still dropped 43 points. <laughs> Hard to do anywhere, but especially like, on this level of basketball. My boy literally carried his whole country throughout this tourney, and I can't wait to see the game tomorrow. That's crazy. I've always loved Lori Markkinen. I think yeah. he's pretty nice. Yeah. 
Hey, he's he's been hella solid this this run right here, averaging like thirty, I think. Yeah, mm -hmm. his back. Pretty solid, yeah. Mm -hmm. Love to see that. BJ, hit me with your Hooper of the week. Man, Hooper of the week for me has got to go to the Las Vegas Aces in the WNBA Finals, but mainly South Carolina's own Asia Wilson. She won Defensive Player of the Year and MVP in the WNBA this year, and she is like straight balling. Like everywhere I look on ESPN, there's another highlight of her, like either blocking the shot, going coast to coast, laying the ball up, diving to the rim, just kind of looking like a little baby Brown out there doing her thing <laughs> in the WNBA Finals. So Asia Wilson, get that ring. She just took mm -hmm. out Sue Bird two weeks ago. Um, so no, now you, if you take out a legend, now the only thing you got to do is get the ring. You know it. I mean, especially when like Kelsey is like kind of she kind of choked that game. She had like yeah. what two two two. I was like, bro, what? What was yeah. this the whole season? Like you, you were going crazy. But Aja is like taking up picking up all the slack. So yeah, she deserved that Hooper. Balling, no question. I have a couple Hoopers of the week, and my first one is like my favorite story I've seen in a minute. So. Return to the world of baseball, not a place with many people these days with football <laughs> and basketball on its way. But the other day, you know how and this is all sporting events. People put messages up on, on the board and they'll show them in between innings or, you know, during timeouts or whatever, you know, and this happened the other day at a Milwaukee Brewers game, you know, mm. pretty standard messages. Mm. First one okay. says, happy birthday, Cody. From your B-Day buddy, Mel. Second one says, happy birthday, Mel, from your B-Day buddy, Cody. Oh, that's cute. They said each other. I didn't even notice that before. Third one says, happy anniversary, Mike and Ronley. Last one says, good luck on the big race, Scott. You know, nice messages. But tucked in there was a message that raised some eyebrows. Mark, your friendship means the world to me. Let's not wreck it. Oh, Mark. Oh, Mark. <laughs> my heart just breaks for this man. You notice he my has man, the whole backstory now. <laughs> my man was just put into the friend zone live in front of 20,000 people <laughs> in the stadium and millions watching around the world. Bruh. I hate to see it. But this is a Hooper of the Week. This has a happy ending. Oh, Mark, shit. I forgot we were still point. hooting Hoopers. And... This message was so extraordinary that it caught the attention of the Milwaukee Brewers in the dugout. And they talked amongst themselves. And this is later confirmed by Milwaukee Brewers player, Christian Yelich, who tweeted later, down two in the eighth inning, the dugout looked up, saw this and said, let's win one for Mark. We got you, man. <laughs> down two and they came all the way back to win it. <laughs> Nice. My guy, Mark. So Mark, and more notably the Milwaukee Brewers, Hoopers of the Week. Like, Facts. boys, we got to look out for each other, okay? When you see right. your guy down bad, you got to pick him <laughs> back up, man. Down bad. <laughs> Brewers, Hooper of the Week. Way to win one for Mark, boys. Absolutely <laughs> huge. Came through That's with the clutch. I saw that they said, like, oh, we got to win it for Mark. I did not know this was the backstory. I was like, oh, this <laughs> is Mark. Did someone pass away? Was this for, like, some... <laughs> I was like, no, it's for, nope. for our boys in the that's friend Mark. zone. <laughs> <laughs> he was from down bad. Said, to nope, up. that's Mark. So, 
Love to see that. <laughs> Mark rebounds. That's hilarious, right. actually. And I saw this really quick, and I love this as well. Isaiah McKenzie, wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills, get a huge win over the reigning champion, L.A. Rams. <laughs> and my man scored a touchdown in the third quarter of that game and used it as an opportunity to do a gender reveal for his sister. Came up to the camera and screamed, it's a boy. Coolest touchdown celebration of all time. That is awesome. Yeah, that's I love dope. that's pretty dope. That's dope. That's pretty dope. For sure. I mean, were they just going to wait if he didn't score this game? Yeah, what if he didn't score? Uh, <laughs> like, just wait until he did? But yeah. There's always next week. Yeah. I think Josh Allen was in on it, making sure my guy got in the end zone. So for that, mm-hmm. Sally, Isaiah McKenzie, bonus hooper of the week. Love to see that. Mm-hmm. All Love right, it. let's get negative, shall we? Absolutely. Um, get petty, stay petty. Michael Porter Jr. Um, this co- good hustle is coming right on your head. Um, <laughs> dunked on. Get dunked on. <laughs> Did you guys see Michael Porter Jr.'s haircut? I have the not. Bl- is it bl- is it blonde or something? Like oh, that? it's is full it? M&M. It's a blonde oh. bowl cut. What's up? My guy thought okay. it was looking real fresh. But where he messed up was he put a poll on his Instagram that said, tough or no? People who follow this man and are friends with him, 88% of them, among many thousands of votes, said no. This ain't it. <laughs> Michael Porter Jr., tough. <laughs> yeah. Should <laughs> have done the poll before the haircut. Hate to see it. Hate to see it. Um, And this special Good Hustle Award it's just gift wrapped and delivered to the New York Knicks. I don't know oh, how the Knicks managed to fumble the bag every single offseason. As bad as they are during the season, they are somehow far <laughs> worse in the offseason. <laughs> the amount of stars that have slipped through their fingers is criminal. The fact that you have the history you do, the market you do, the arena you do, the brand that you do, and you cannot get a single star through trade, through free agency, through the draft, nowhere to put on a Knicks uniform is absolutely laughable. <laughs> and Donovan Mitchell is the most notable example of this. How do you fumble the bag this badly? That's myself this every I, time. I have no words. Luckily, New I'm not a Knicks fan. Uh, Stephen A. was definitely in his feelings. After oh, my God. Yeah, he was going crazy. He was I going was crazy. was on suicide watch for at least 24 hours. That was <laughs> – I, I, I don't understand yeah. how the Knicks keep doing this. Like, you really were going to throw out three young stars and two draft picks, and you weren't willing to throw out one or two more draft picks? Really? Really? To get your guy. In quotations. Stud, actually in quotations. wants to play for you. I must take my ammo for later. Absolutely hilarious. Knicks, good hustle out there. (laughs) There's always next year, except there isn't. All right, DJ, who's hustle? Get him. We got a back-to-back winner here for good hustle of the week for me. I got to give it to my boy, Gilbert Arenas. So last week, you know, he has some things to say about Giannis. Giannis does not play basketball. Apparently, Giannis just sucks. We get it. I guess that's, you know, that's his opinion. Um, But this week... My, my guy said anyone who played before the 90s and had their heyday in the 90s can't crack his top 10 all time. So I, I know I see your faces. I see your faces and listeners. 
I know you might be thinking I'm making this up. I'm not. I'm not. Well, no, that includes Bill Russell, Kareem, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, and, oh, yes, Michael Jordan was indeed drafted in 1984. So what he is saying is anybody who played before the 90s does not make his top 10. So Gilbert Arenas, I don't know, bro. You got to be trolling or you have got to have found the finest of evergreen wherever you are. Because <laughs> this makes no sense. Anyone before the 90s is not top 10. That's like 80% of the top 10 is from the 90s and above. Like, I just don't I, I, I don't understand. I I do. Because before this week, well, before, before this month, I should say, we haven't heard from Joe, uh, Gilbert Arenas in in years. Clickbait, gotta be. It has to be clickbait. That's the only way. There's like, no way he believes that. Like that. There's no way he believes that. There's no way. Like from what he said two weeks ago to what he said this past week, there's no way he's not doing this for clickbait. There's absolutely no way, and I can't, I can't believe anybody that tells me otherwise. That is the most disrespectful thing I've ever heard. In That's the worst thing I've ever. Heard. That's like that the, worst the worst take of all take. time. Yeah, My man has so... to be on more drugs than Aaron Rodgers. There's no way. <laughs> Literally. That. Mm-hmm. There's no way. You have yeah, to be on this... all kinds. A mixture. Not even a single drug can produce a take that bad. It has to be some <laughs> kind of diabolical concoction. Yeah, syrup, drugs. painkillers, Hennessy, vodka, <laughs> all mixed in one big all lemonade pouch. <laughs> all mixed in one big lemonade Makes no sense. Um, <laughs> This next good hustle, though. Get him. So, you know, if you're at a Dolphins game, you're killing the Patriots. You're just going crazy, right? Okay, you're... let's calm down. Easy time. I mean, TC, TC, <laughs> we, we in the same boat, TC, and they, they yeah, that's kind of accurate. I understand I don't have a factual leg to stand on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but this, this is going to come back and actually be good for you. So, you might be enjoying the game, right? Let's just say, though, like, there's a tailgate in the parking lot, and you forgot your grill was old, and you're watching the game. You come back to the parking lot, and there's, like, six or seven cars that are now burned. <laughs> to a crisp. One, to a crisp. I'm to talking the crispiest crisp. bake wings you have ever seen in your life. Suicide <laughs> doors, candy paint, all burnt. <laughs> A Dolphins fan left their grill unattended during the game, and there was a gust of smoke that arose at 1 p.m. during the game. And, oh, would you look at that? Six to seven cars were indeed burned down. (laughs) Miami-Dade County Police said it looks like to have been an auto accident containing a portable grill. So, you know. Patriots fans, you did end up kind of getting a W because they didn't get to celebrate that long. Because their stadium almost burned down. Mm-hmm. So. That does make me feel better. I guess Bill. I guess like Dolphins fans are the opposite of Bills Mafia. Like if Bills Mafia tailgate the best, these guys tailgate the worst. The worst. They're yeah. burning down their own cars. <laughs> not even on purpose. Bills fans do it on purpose after they yeah, win. Yeah, you know, because they're just like that. But Dolphins fans Bruh. do it on accident. Because how did you wrong. not hear of this? You see, like this is this has been going around like for the past twenty four hours. <laughs> It's fucking hilarious. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> How stupid can you be, bro? Like, that's the number one rule. Turn off your grill. And also, like, how did it get to burn six cars? 
Like before the the, <laughs> right. the, the firefighters got there. Those must Where be were they? How, did they not see the smoke thoughts. after the first car? Did they not see the smoke after the first car? It just doesn't make any sense. Those have to be some <laughs> tight parking spots. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, man. That's you funny. cooking a whole cow on the grill? Like, what you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you got a flamethrower you're cooking yeah. shit with? Damn. That's crazy. Dion, take us home. Who's got you. hustling? I'll be, I'll be, I'll be swift with it. So this has been a rough week one in the NFL world. Like whether you're a quarterback, whether you're a kicker, whether you're a coach or a fan, but looking around the internet, like one thing stood out to me and we're going to go to the standings and that is the AFC South, quite possibly the worst division in the league already. And there's only been one day, one week, this division Came out winless. Four teams, all winless. Mm-hmm. And you you might ask, why is this surprising? Like, it happens. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. Two teams in this division played against each other, and they still came out winless. You're telling me that, okay, I gave I it to the other two, but, like, week one, excitement. You're going to tie a game the first, the first day against a division rival? The standing looks so stupid to me right now. I looked at it, and it just doesn't look right. But, hey, what can you do? It's the worst division in football. And I have a bonus good hustle. And that is Carl Anthony Towns. Something he said today in an interview. He said that he is one of the best offensive players in the NBA has ever seen. Boy, stop. Boy. What are we talking about right now? Okay, you can shoot three. you you, You can get in the paint. Bro, there is countless people that are better better than you. Like, didn't he have four not... points against the Grizzlies, like game four? Like, Bro, that, exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That was exactly going to be my next point. Bro, like, bro, you can't even score like that. He needs to chill out. Okay. You, you're a good player. You're, good, you're a great player. You're top 25 in the league, probably right now. But best offensive player the NBA has ever seen in the yeah. history of the game? Trust me, Kyle, you're not that guy. You're not that guy. <laughs> You're not that guy. <laughs> You're not that guy, pal. It, it was just embarrassing, bro. Like, just go back and eat your words because, like, it's not even close. Bro, it's not even close. I'm struggling. He might be top 15 in the league now. Maybe. 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 Yeah, maybe. 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 You know what? I'll go out on it. I'll give him top 15. Congrats. Okay. You're not even one of the best in the NBA right now. Chill out, dog. You're, yeah, I don't know where nice. that came from. You're kind of nice, but you're you're not that guy. You're not that mm-hmm. ever. Like, it, it just came out of the blue. Like, why why would he say something like that? He's not even like that type of person. I feel like, yeah, yeah. you know, like to your own horn. Like, what? Yeah, I guess he's yeah. trying to rational confidence. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to, I in my opinion, the most shocking move of the offseason. Donovan Mitchell acquired. By the Cavs. Man, I already spoiled the first point. Um, <laughs> VJ, are you surprised? Um, you I am. Cavs grab, go grab him. Yeah, I actually am because, like, I didn't think the Cavs were really that interested. Like, I heard rumors that they were in the mix and they were like, nah, we like what we got here. But for them to kind of swoop in, and do a Mr. Steal Your Girl on the Knicks is kind of a shocker. Like, they literally came at the last minute and said, yo, 
I mean, if they're not going to make a move, we are. And by all accounts, like, it was really, like, destined for him to go to New York. Like, his dad works for the Mets, I believe. He's a he, he's around New York all the time. But for the Cavs to come in and basically just, like, steal the deal like that, I was shocked because I definitely didn't see him going to the Cavs of any, like, destination. That was the absolute last destination that I would have thought for him, first off. And second, this has to be the most undercover trade of all time. Because I didn't even hear anything like coming from Cleveland at all. Like the focus was like New York, Knicks, Knicks, Knicks. He's going to the Knicks. They're making cap room for him. But I, I love this move. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah. It just it just came as like a complete shock. Cause I knew they were gonna move him, but I didn't think Cleveland was gonna be it. Yeah, I mean it, it happened lightning fast. Like mm-hmm. you know, the Cavs were rumored to be inquiring about him and a few hours later he was a yeah. cavalier and exactly. i once I, I started my college career as a student i don't know why i said career ignore that i started my <laughs> the first college i ever went to was a small junior college in rural utah called snow college and i met this cowboy there okay and you know how like cowboys have these sayings and he had this saying that said Steers try, bulls do. Okay. Do you know the difference between a steer and a bull? One actually gets it done. A bull still has is still able to breed and hasn't been um what's what's the polite term for this? Neutered. And a steer has. <laughs> okay. And when it comes to this deal, the Knicks tried, the Cavs did. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Knicks had almost exclusive you know, like we're the only team bargaining for Donovan Mitchell for months. Literally the only months. Okay. And they decided to sit on one extra draft pick to not get the deal done. And the Cavs swooped in and got it done immediately. They said, we want him. We'll do what it takes. Okay. And I, I am surprised to see him in Cleveland, but this is the biggest L of all time for the Knicks. Like, wow. I absolutely unbelievable. That, wow. they could this that they decided to be cute about it and try and hold on to one extra draft pick. That's what happened. The Knicks, you need a star more than anybody in the NBA, more than anyone. Your fan base is so impatient. They have been waiting for so long for you to figure this out. And mm-hmm. you decided to sit on one or two extra draft picks? Really? Really? Dude. It's embarrassing. Knicks, of all people, decided to hoard draft picks. You throw them away for a decade, and then all of a sudden your draft picks, you know, you're willing to take an L this big for a few mm-hmm. draft picks? Really? Dude, it's literally like when you got something in your cart, like on Target or Amazon, and it's on sale. For like one or two <laughs> days, and you're like, nah, bro, I don't, I don't want to spend the extra. No, I want to save some money. You come back the next day, and it's already gone. That's exactly what happened. Like the That's next, exactly. like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna keep them in our car. We're gonna wait for it to die down. But no other team was interested, and they just like let the Cavs come in and make the deal. Like, what else did you have to like? What else are you glued to? You can't be telling me that Jalen Brunson is your guy. But then you're like, you sign, you sign RJ. So essentially, saying like, okay. We don't care anymore. We're going to sign our guy. But literally, you need – Donovan Mitchell was, like, basically gift back. He was a gift hand, gift wrap to you. Like, that right. is – this is a big L. Like, because this was, like, the first time them having an all-star guard 
since Walt Frazier in the 70s. Like, it's been that long since they had, like, a guard this good. Yeah, they tried to be cute with it. They tried to play hardball to get the price to go down, and somebody else yeah, sniped them. Mm-hmm. It's not like they didn't have opportunities. They sat on this for months. Yeah. I've said Houdini style. Watch it for, disappear. You know, a 26-year-old <laughs> Like, you really think you were the only ones interested, and if you just waited them out, they would meet you there? No, somebody was going to come in and get them. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that is the biggest That's hell in Knicks history. Got to be. Yeah. Got yeah. to be. Up there with some of those draft picks that they used in the 2000s. Frank Nilakina. <laughs> Frank Nilakina. Up there with Andre Ooh. He was actually cold for a little bit. Stop. No, you stop. <laughs> he was actually cold. He was at no point in his career cold. All right. Isn't Barniani Italian? Yes. Of so course. back off, TC. You know Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Back hey, off, buddy. Facts are facts. I'm sorry. I can't, hey, I can't do it. It's, it's not my fault that, that you, you didn't follow his career. I'll, I'll give him this. If he wasn't in New York, he probably would have done really well. I mean, he, in Toronto, he, he was cold. He had a season where he averaged 20 points a game. That's not cheeks, bro. Come on, man. All right, all right. I'll give you that. <laughs> He's I'll no Chet Holmgren, apparently. <laughs> also, he wasn't drafted by the Knicks, bro. I don't think. I think he was drafted by the He was drafted by Toronto. Was. You're right. You're, you're right. But he ended up in New York, and he was yeah. very yeah. bad in New York. Yeah. He was All very right, lucky. Big That's <laughs> so then, with that being said, um, let's get to the exact haul that the Utah Jazz acquired in getting Donovan Mitchell. Was it Sexton, Markin, five picks? Yeah, Sexton, Markin, Ochai, Ochai, so Ochai, yeah, and then like five or six picks or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the trade, the Cavs sent Laurie Markin. Oche Abaji, Colin Sexton on a sign and trade, three unprotected first round picks in 25, 27, and 29, and two pick swaps in 26 and 28. So, Dion, who won this trade? Is there a winner? Is there a loser? I mean, it depends on what you look at. I feel like those those picks are like pretty far down the line, like 20, 27, 29. That's like half a decade, seven years from now. Um, and I know that Utah is going to rebuild, but that's a long ass rebuild, just the same as the Spurs did, basically, I believe. Um, but they, I think Cleveland wins this trade. They went and got a super duper star that they needed, and he, he can be the leader there now. So their their backcourt is going to suffer a little bit, like because of their size, but they they make up for it on the on the front court. So I think that this is a perfect trade for Cleveland. Uh, a trade that takes takes a little bit of like balls because like it's a win now trade and if it doesn't work out you're set back but hey they have all the assets they need to go and get it so I love this trade and I think Cleveland won this yeah I, I I'll be a politician here and kind of waffle I don't think necessarily one side won and lost I think it's perfect for either side uh, between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Utah acquired a huge war chest of picks and young talent that will serve them well over the next five or six years. I guess it's up to, what, seven years, 29? Yeah. So between, like, all all of these guys that they acquired are young. All of them are talented. They flipped um, Patrick Beverly already, and uh, they they have a huge um, stable of young 
talent and picks that I think will become a pretty a fairly quick turnaround. I don't think it's going to take more than three or four years for them to be, you know, back in contention. But I also think it's a perfect move for Cleveland. Like you just had a very improbable season. Don't sit on it and wait to see if you got lucky or if you're good. Get better. Go and get your guy. The one thing you're missing is a little bit of experience and a true number one in that organization, and you went and got him. And so yeah. when, you, when you're put in that position of, like, borderline good, you know, good borderline, you know, playoff type of team, that's when it's time to go all in, especially when your core is young. And so I think the Cavs absolutely made the right decision. That's fair. Think they- um, honestly, like, I think the Cavs won this easily, in my opinion, just because if you wanted draft picks that will amount to something, you would have taken the Knicks picks. Everyone knows getting the Knicks unprotected yeah. picks, it usually works out. Because you're getting the Cavs picks, and the Cavs, pick, the Cavs are going to be good for like the next four to five years. So those picks really don't help you a ton. Um, but like Dion was saying, like you got two smaller guards, but that's fine because in the backcourt, you're sending them to Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. And in my opinion, I feel like Jared Allen is a younger version of Rudy Gobert. I think he's only like yeah. 21, 22, but he's a really good rim protector. He can finish. And I feel like what you didn't have offensively in Utah in the front court, you have an Evan Mobley. And that was always the issue in Utah was production in the front court so I feel like this is a you know a huge lift especially off of Darius Garland who's a natural playmaker anyway that Mm -hmm. was what he was at Vanderbilt so I feel like instead of him having to score a ton he can literally just do what he needs to do score here and there but let Donovan Mitchell eat um and I feel like the Cavs like this is a it's a win this is a win-win for them like they didn't really give up a ton and they got back a pretty you know I think what is Donovan Mitchell, 24, 25? Like, yeah, I think like 25. Yeah, still pretty young. So I think I think the Cavs won this one. Danny got some trades, or he got some picks, but I think the Cavs got, you know, what they needed. Mm-hmm. Especially because, like, Colin Sexton and Markinen are pretty injury prone. Like, Markinen's been in and yeah. out. Sexton just came off a year-long injury. Uh, so I feel like what they gave up was not that bad at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're starting five. The Cavs starting five. Ooh, literally oh, started. And you have like Isaac Okoro on the wing, like defending too, bro. Mm-hmm. And I forgot yeah, Kevin Love is on the bench. Statesman. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go as far as BJ to say that those picks are useless. I think is the word he used. But I mean, you bring up a good point of like if you just turn if you're rebuilding and you turned another team into an instant contender. What good are two pick swaps? Like, what are the odds that the Cleveland's pick in 26 and 28 is better than yours and you'll actually use those pick swaps? Right. Like, seems kind of unlikely. So maybe it's a little bit better on paper than it actually is. Like, you hear (laughs) three unprotected firsts and two swaps, you know, your eyes light up. But, I mean, I think VJ has a point of, like, maybe it's not as good as you think. Maybe it's better on paper than in practice. I don't know. Time time will tell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Time will tell. I mean, you know, like you said, it's a risky move. And when you give up that many picks, if it doesn't work out or he goes elsewhere or something, like you're up the river without a paddle. But I, I, I think it'll definitely work out. So with all that being said, the million-dollar question, with Donovan Mitchell in the fold, what is 
the ceiling for the Cavaliers in 2022-23. BJ, what do you think? What's what's the Cavs' ceiling this season? Um, to me, because the East is kind of loaded, I think that I see the Cavs as probably the fifth best team in the conference. Um, maybe fifth or sixth, to be honest with you. But I feel like they can get probably to – they, I, I think they'll make the playoffs clean, no playing, no nothing like that. And I think they'll have a long, drawn-out first-round series. But I think you – I want to see them actually in a battle-tested moment just with the younger Cavs and Donovan Mitchell being a leader of a team kind of. So, I say they they make it first-round playoffs this year in a tough Eastern Conference. Yeah, I'm a little bit more bullish, I think. That's definitely a fair analysis. I think I'm a little more bullish. I say they could be – since we're talking ceiling, the best, I don't think they are quite to the established teams in the East, like the Celtics and the Bucks. Like they've been there, they both won the East. Um, so I don't think they're quite there yet. They're returning their rosters, largely the same, experienced. But I think they could be the best of that next group. I think they could they could be the best, the third best team in the East. I think that's their ceiling. I think they could be in the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I think that's their ceiling. I think they're really good. Now, will they? I don't know. Like, I think we're going to find out in about 10 games what their ceiling is. Yeah. But I I think they could really be up there with how much they overachieved without Donovan Mitchell. And Donovan Mitchell is still young, but he has quite a bit of playoff experience too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think he missed the playoffs one in his career yet in Utah. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've talked about, you know, Utah's struggles in the playoffs. and you know, Yeah, they were there, does, just didn't do it. <laughs> he does have experience. I mean, he absolutely blew up in the bubble. Um, oh, yeah. Barely getting out-dueled by Jamal Murray. But, I mean, he does have some experience. So, I, I think – but I think that I, – I would consider that their ceiling. Yeah, what do you think? What's, what's the ceiling for the Cavs? All right. So, ceiling for me, I am super bullish on this team. Like the most bullish of all, um, I have the Cavs coming in first place in the East this season, and let me tell you why. So, if you guys remember a couple of years ago when we first started this podcast, this podcast, me and TC had a bet about between the Suns and the Utah Jazz. <laughs> and guess who the Utah Jazz had? Donovan Mitchell. And guess what? They came first place in the West. I now I know that the East is loaded. We're going to leave out some pretty freaking good teams from the playoffs this year. Um, But you give Donovan Mitchell this Cavs team that, to me, is better than any Utah Jazz team uh, Donovan Mitchell had in the past. And you put him on a team that was like seven, eight games away from the top this past year without Donovan Mitchell. And with a more a little, a little bit more experience, uh, Darius Garland and Evan Mobley, like a young core, man, the, 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 their ceiling, we're talking about ceiling, is number one spot in the East to me. And then in the playoffs, I don't know if they're going to go that deep. Maybe I, I would say a second-round exit to me. So you're saying their ceiling is both number one team in the East and they're going to have a second-round exit? Yes. Because <laughs> the regular season is different from the playoffs. Bro, it's, it's different from the playoffs. Number one seed get knocked in the second round, like it's not that rare. 
Tier predicted another Donovan Mitchell season then. Yeah, excellence in the exactly. Because is there? Because is there? Is there? Is his first season there? Okay. All right. Um, I'm not quite that bullish on the Cavs. I mean, <laughs> I you're acting like you're, you're acting like we're so different. Like it's two spots different. <laughs> I mean, the teams, you know, you're putting them ahead of. I think are a lot more established. But hey. I mean, any, anything could happen. You know, we're speculating, so there's really no mm-hmm. debate at this point, but. Um, and and we are talking ceiling, like the absolute. Exactly. Ceiling. I'll give you that. I could see all three scenarios, though. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Everything sounds like pretty believable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah possible. Um. Okay. Let's talk about the Atlantic Division then. Let's get We're it. Talking about some of these teams in the East, and let's start with, um, you know, let's start with the Boston Celtics, shall we? We'll go alphabetically. A team that has garnered much controversy on this podcast. Dion's like, already shaking his head. Because he's like, oh, let's start with a random division. Mm, I, guess, I wonder what division. Bro, we're going in alphabetical order from you. And we're going to start in alphabetical That's order. That's what yeah. we've always done. Chill the fuck yeah. out. All right. <laughs> we haven't even done a single thing. We talking about the arguing. <laughs> Mid-season form. We just are talking about. Form. Just talking about talking about the Celtics gets me and Dion going. All right. (laughs) Let's talk about, I mean, should we start with their projected record? We can. Um, Yeah. Dion straight up. What do you think the Celtics record is going to be in 2022, 23? So since the regular season, I don't think they're going to go as hard, you know, because they got bigger aspiration for the postseason. And last year, they they finished with fifty one and thirty one, so I don't think they're gonna win much more than that. I would probably give them a fifty three and twenty nine. Okay, interesting. BJ, what do you think of the Celtics? What do you think their record's gonna be? Um, I'm kind of thinking like they can they play that level of defense for eighty two games and go grind that hard. Um, I think they'll be well within like a pretty good range by the end of the season. So. I think 55 and 27 is what I see the Celtics doing this year. Um, I'm shockingly bullish on the Celtics. I know. So you got 74, 74 and 8. He's, he's like 82 uh, and 0. I'm thinking more 80 and 2. Yeah, that's about right. Yep. No, I, I think. That's, that's about Taylor. I mean, I really think if they're able to stay healthy, it really looks like they figured something out the second half of the season. And since they have all the same pieces, I. I, I see what Dion's saying, and I actually agree with him that the Celtics haven't been very focused on the regular season. I do think they have bigger aspirations, but I think they go 61 and 21 in the regular season. I expect them to be an absolute force in the Eastern Conference with what they figured out mm-hmm. in the second half of last season. In a lot of so ways. So you're I saying they're going to win 10 more than games than last, se- last season? That's correct. What, okay. I mean, it's projections. Off a finals appearance. They have all of the same pieces and added a couple more. Unfortunately, Gallinari getting hurt sucks. But they still traded for Malcolm Brogdon. And I think they could be better in a lot of ways. I mean, last year, no team in the East went over 53, but okay. Um, But I said what I said. Hey, that's your projection. That's my projection. Um. DJ, what is the biggest strength of the Celtics coming into the season? 
Um, I mean, I think I, without a doubt, their defensive ability is probably their biggest strength. Um, I think Ime Udoka doesn't allow you to play for him if you can't play defense. Um, but not only that, what I noticed, too, is their ability to shoot the three and stretch the defense. Um, outside of um, Time Lord, just about anybody who steps on the floor can shoot, which makes them incredibly dangerous and formidable. So I say their ability to defend – and their ability to stretch the defense as well makes them really, really hard to beat. Yeah, um, definitely agree about the defense. Yeah. I also love with the addition of Malcolm Brogdon, they have a lot of depth at backcourt and wing because we have uh, Marcus Smart, obviously Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Derek White, um, Malcolm Brogdon, and previously Gallinari, but we don't have that anymore. Aiden um, Pritchard. Peyton Pritchard can play minutes. Um, Grant Williams kind of goes out to the wing a little bit. So there's a lot of depth in that backcourt and wing. And I think to to really win a title, I think you got to have the bodies. And that seemed to be a priority for the Celtics this offseason is adding guys who can contribute, but also trying to get some depth. So I, I like the depth they have at those positions. Dion? Yeah. Uh, their strength to me is the defense. We saw it all last year. They have a relentless defense, and I don't. And nobody really left. So other than Daniel Tyson, he wasn't really a, a defensive player. So I think their defense is the their most like valuable asset. And then, like you said, you see their their backcourt is deep, uh, especially after adding Malcolm Brogdon, and which will, could also turn into a weakness if we look at it that way, because we don't know how they're going to handle the the Brogdon smart thing yet. So we'll see. But it, for, for right now, it looks like it's going to be a, a really, really important uh, strength of theirs, the backcourt. Yeah, I agree. So then let's go to the weakness. What do you think the weaknesses of the Celtics are going into the season? And uh, going right off of that, um, having the backcourt and wing depth, uh, their front court depth is pretty lean right now. Um, Time Lord, as much as I love him, has been a little injury prone. Horford's getting up there. And if one of those guys go down, what happens to the front court? Uh, Daniel Tice was traded. Um, and if one of those guys gets hurt, there's not really somebody behind them right now. Now, especially with Amidoka insisting on the two big lineup of both Horford and Robert Williams. And that's a little bit of a concern because we saw it in the playoffs and towards the end of the regular season, the Celtics were not the same team when Robert Williams was hurt. Mm -hmm. So the front court depth is a bit of a concern for me. Dion, what do you think the Celtics weakness is going into the season? Oh, absolutely. That, that was going to be my point. Uh, if, if Robert Williams goes down, I think that goes, that goes your, your front court. There's, there's nothing because Ella Hoffer, uh, Al Hoffer, for as good as he was during the playoffs, he showed his limitations and he showed that his motor is kind of running out. So we'll see how that that Al Hoffer thing uh, pans out. But if Robert Williams goes down, it's, it's going to be a whole different ball game. So that's their biggest weakness, the front court, uh, because they have absolutely nobody. Like I think the next in line is Grant Williams, and he's like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, I don't know how tall he is. but Or Luke Cornett, and I don't think you want that. So... Yeah, I think that's their their biggest weakness. They that that's something they should they should address this offseason. I think it it doesn't have to be somebody like astronomical. You just need like a, a solid role player to like come off the bench and like be the sub if somebody goes down. So yeah, 
just someone to go get boards. Like, yeah. Challenge a few shots. Go get some boards. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's all. Shit, go get Andre Drummond, but it's too late now. <laughs> yeah. VJ, what do you think? Um, I'm actually going off of what I saw deeper as they got going against better teams. Um, so I'm I'm thinking taking care of the basketball is probably one of their biggest issues. Yes, absolutely. Turning over the ball was kind of what really hurt them against Golden State. And I would also say, too, although they can shoot the ball really well, when it comes down to figuring out really good defenses, finding good offense down the stretch for them is kind of an issue because I think they revert back to their old ways a lot where they start to play isolation basketball. So if Malcolm Brody can step in and, like, really run the offense and command the offense, I think that won't be an issue. But, like, I think sometimes the Celtics play into their old ways. So, like – don't don't turn over the basketball and like don't settle for isolation plays because that kind of that makes them hard to guard or easy to guard. So also got to find good offense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what are the storylines we're watching for the Celtics this year, Dion? What's the storyline you're watching with the Celtics? I think uh, the storyline, the biggest storyline that comes off of this summer, I think, is the the battle at point guard. I think that could actually become a, a real problem down the, the like down the line uh because you have Marcus Smart a player that's been there for for years it's been your your leader like your flag um and you have a player that is actually better than him on offense that can actually play make better than him i don't know how that the, they're going to handle that in the locker room i i think Doka can figure it out that's for sure but I think that can cause some friction in the locker room at some point. Maybe it doesn't happen at all. But I think that's like that's going to be a storyline to watch out for throughout the season. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think we were all surprised when Ibudoka said that he was intending for Malcolm Brogdon to come off the bench. Um, yeah, I'm still shocked, but I'm still shocked. By that. I am too. And so that's definitely going to be a storyline to watch. I think my biggest Celtic storyline will actually be it's just the pessimist in me. Will Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown continue to coexist? We're starting to see it this offseason. It's a very fair question. Jalen Brown is starting to feel disillusioned. I don't blame him. JT has been embraced by more of the league. You see other stars, you know, LeBron, Draymond Green, uh, Kevin Durant kind of bringing him into the fold and recognizing him for the superstar he is. While Jalen Brown isn't really still getting recognition, even from Celtics fans, he's being, you know, mentioned in trade rumors. And so will that discrepancy in acceptance and, um, you know, I guess, like, for lack of a better term, JT getting his flowers and Jason and Jalen Brown not, will they continue to coexist or will Jalen Brown be disillusioned at some point? That's a fair point because you at some point you're going to get tired of hearing your name put in trade mail. So that, that's fair. I I think don't get me wrong. I'm a huge Jason Tatum guy, but everyone is acting like Jason Tatum is way better than Jalen Brown. And Jason Tatum is cold as hell in my opinion, but Jalen Brown is right there. Jalen Brown mm-hmm. is, was the best t- player we had in the finals last year. So let let's not act like. One is way better than the other, so absolutely. I, 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 I feel for JB. I totally do. And so, will that become a storyline at some point? I really hope not. But we're already seeing possibility. 
the seeds being planted of this. So mm-hmm. that's, that's what I'm going to be watching. BJ, what's the storyline you're watching for the Celtics? I mean, I, you literally took the words right out of my mouth. I think JB being undervalued and kind of underappreciated is definitely something that's going to be out there all season. I mean, we talked about it. We had our debates about the the Nets trade saga. Like, was he thrown out there? Was it conspiracy? Like, were they trying to mess up something? I think whether or not they did it to, like, clearly Jalen Brown was bothered by it. So I feel like that's going to be something that plays out this season. And, I mean, not to bring 2K into it, but JT's a – he's a 93. Jalen Brown's an 88. There's not that big of a discrepancy between their abilities. So, I feel like he needs to be respected more. And I feel like it's going to be one of those seasons where, like, they might get into a small battle for, like, who whose team is it. But I, I hope that doesn't, like, ruin what they got going, obviously. But um, I definitely think JB will be the storyline of the year for them. Like, he probably is going to try to take that next step and – That'll be a big struggle between him and JT as far as, hey, like, it's, it's my time, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, people are acting like Jason Tatum is A and JB is B. In reality, it's 1A, 1B. You know, these guys are both. Yeah. This is really good. And as mm-hmm. much as I've sung the praises of Jason Tatum, I totally agree that Jalen Brown is really undervalued at this point. And I am miffed at why – Jalen Brown is now in the position where he has to be the bigger man and ignore all that. And mm-hmm. I wish he wasn't put in that position. And if he decides to be petty, which he is in some ways within his rights to be, you know, it could bring the house down as quickly as it was built. We'll see. I think that's, I think that's probably the biggest storyline I'm going to be watching with the Celtics. And I hope it's not a storyline at all, but I'm, I'm seeing the seeds being sown for that. All right, BJ, where does the Celtics season end? All right. You know, I see these fellas in the play and no, I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you gave me their I think... that's a hell of a conference if they're in the play. All right. If <laughs> no, I think um, I see them losing in the conference finals this season. I think they get right back to where they were last year. Um, not the finals, but I think the conference finals this year for them. And they, go out in the conference finals. Okay, that's fair. Um, I'm putting them back in the NBA finals, but I am not sure if they're truly the best team in the NBA. My mind is telling me no. My body is telling me yes. Um, But gun to my head, I think I'm predicting another finals loss for the Celtics. Uh, As much as that pains me, that would break me, but... I, I'm not sure they are the best team in the league right now. We're going to see, though. We're going to see. Uh, Dion, what do you think? Uh, I have them going out in the second round this year because of how deep the East is. And it's going to be a battle through the whole way through. So, like, the second round is going to be fierce. Mm. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can predict the Celtics going past, like, if they if they pull pull up against the Bucks, I don't think they'll they'll beat a fully healthy Bucks. So, I have them going out in the second round. I mean, you make a fair point. Of it has been difficult to repeat in the East as a mm-hmm. yeah. It's been difficult to we've we've seen Eastern Conference champions fail to make it out of the second round. You know, a few years in a row now. Mm-hmm. So it, that's not a bad time. I mean, Western, I mean, we saw last, like this past year the Suns go out to the Mavs in the second round. 
True. True. It's it's difficult to keep yeah. keep doing that. All right. As if we haven't talked about them enough. Let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> um, I don't want to, but here we go. Um, I am projecting a forty six and thirty six record for the Nets. I think the drama is too much and I really have a hard time with Steve Nash on the hot seat, Katie and Kyrie one foot out the door, potentially them suddenly finding traction and turning it around in a big way. What did you say? What's the record? 46 and 36. They're just too talented to be under 500 again. There's no, like they're just too talented. If they're any kind of healthy, they have to be above 500 somehow. I mean, they were, they, they were six games above 500 last year. Were they? I thought yeah, they 40, 44 and 38. Are you just giving them two life. extra wins? That's fair. I'm hey. taking two away then, I guess. <laughs> I, I, there, there's mm-hmm. way too much drama around this team for them to to right the ship and really be among the East Elite. I just think there's no way mm-hmm. in, in my mind. Okay, Dion, what's your record then for the Nets? I mean, it's not 46 and whatever you said, 36. But my record... um. I'm assuming KD and Kyrie and Ben will all play, even though it's probably going to be at different times. But I have them 50 and 32 this year. I think they win a, six more games than last year, and I don't think that's that's a stretch because they they're going to have. You say 52 and 30? No, no, 50 and 32. Oh, I was going to say that's exactly okay. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you said. I said 52 and 30. I was hey, like, what's exactly? I was thinking. I, I was thinking that too. I was thinking that too, but I was thinking that like Kyrie and and Ben might miss some games here and there. So yeah, yeah, I don't think they're gonna miss that many if if they're all fully healthy. DJ, you have them at fifty two and thirty. Then I I do I do I feel like a full season together um, on all that talent too. I feel like it's at least worth fifty two wins. Yeah. Um, DJ, what's the biggest strength of the Nets? And what's their um, I think the, just hit two birds with one stone here. You said weak strength and weakness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, strength to me, I would probably say is their ability to score, their shooting ability, and I feel like the lineups they can throw out there are kind of like un unmatched. You can put Ben at the center, Ben at the point guard, Kyrie at the two, Seth, Joe Harris will be back, and you have Kevin Durant. So you have a lot of things you can do. Um, weakness to me, I feel like depth up front is kind of going to hurt them. Um, obviously chemistry and chemistry is going to be another thing too, just cause like we all know what's going on as far as like drama and also to like health, you don't really know. And I say health and quotation marks cause Kyrie could take off at any moment. So it's kind of like, you don't know what you're going to get. And it's Ben mm-hmm. Simmons ready to put on a basketball uniform again. Mm-hmm. So let's say availability. Yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah. yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. This is a roster with a ton of buckets. I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a lot of buckets. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they can give just about anybody buckets. All right. Um, and weaknesses, I have the same: depth, defense, chemistry, age. <laughs> that's a lot of weaknesses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they do have Literally. buckets. No question. <laughs> they they have buckets on the roster. Dion. Mm-hmm. My strengths are immense firepower on offense. It's insane. Like, you look down the roster, you got buckets everywhere. And I think in comparison to last year, I think their defense is going to take, like, a a better step forward, I would say. 
because you add Royce O'Neal and uh, what you call him, Ben Simmons, to, to the mix. Um, weakness is availability and off-the-court drama and chemistry because I don't think the depth is going to be a concern for them because they have their players. You have Ken Thomas, TJ Warren, Royce O'Neal, Markeith Morris, all coming off the bench. It, they have players. And Seth Curry, uh, they have players. The depth is not a concern for me. I just, I just think their availability and the drama is one thing that can bring them back down. Okay. Um, Storylines we're watching with the Nets this year. And obviously, he's right themselves. Um, <laughs> but my, my biggest... My biggest storyline I'm watching is how long do the Nets stick with Steve Nash? Yeah. How long yeah. do they stand by him? Because I've said this before, I think he has a very short leash going into the season. Mm-hmm. And I think another storyline I'm watching is I think the first 20 games for the Nets are just going to be critical. Mm-hmm. Critical for them. Yeah. They're going to have any kind of success. Dion, what, mm-hmm. what are storylines you're watching? I think the one of the main storylines that I will be watching for is KD and whether he stays or whether he goes and whether the, the management make a decision to keep Steve Nash over him or him over Steve Nash. I think this has already been drama off this during this offseason. I think it could lead into the season uh, if they don't start off real hot. So I think KD's, um, KD's team halfway through the season is going to be a storyline. Yeah, um, I think Nash is on the hot seat, obviously. I mean, when your star player calls for your job. But another thing is, is Katie truly all in? Like, is he really going to be invested mm-hmm. in the team? Um, and then another thing I'm watching, too, that's low-key a storyline, is Kyrie as a free agent after this offseason. So what's his attitude like? Is is he happy? Is he upset that he doesn't have a new contract? And is he really playing – or is he, he showcasing what he can do for other teams? So those are things I'm watching. Yeah, fair enough. Um, BJ, where's their season end? Uh, I got them losing in the second round of the playoffs, conference semis, somewhere in there. Okay. Um, I have them losing in the first round. Um, I think 46, 36, that's right around play-in territory. I think if they are in the play-ins, they make it out of the play-ins, but I, I have them losing in the first round again. Dion? I have them losing in the second round. As well, I don't think they they can. I don't think they can go any further than that. Um, let's talk about the aforementioned other team in New York City. Let's go! Oh boy! So for the Knicks, I have a projected record of thirty-seven and forty-five. I think it's another rough <laughs> in the Big Apple mm-hmm. for the Knicks. BJ, what do you got? Um. Yeah, I mean, I get. I got thirty three and forty nine. I just, it's, it's gonna be a tough year. I just All feel right, like. <laughs> I'm also going. Yeah. Forty nine. Come on, come on over. You talked me into it. I'm not. I'm not as uh bear ish with them. Oh. I have them forty three and thirty nine. Oh. I think they. I, like I think it. they end positive. I think. They can like they're by no team by no means a, a great team or a good team, but I think that their start their mid three can uh, can get some dubs this the, during the the regular season, but just the regular season. <laughs> okay, okay. 
I'm mad at it. Boy Jalen Brunson, huh? Hmm. I said because they got your boy, dude. No, no, no. I think our, I think RJ Barrett actually takes another step next this year. Deion, oh yeah, what, that's what, fair. What are some strengths and weaknesses you're seeing for the Knicks? I don't have a lot of strengths, but I, <laughs> I they're they're young and they're willing to buzz their ass for the most part. Uh, I think that that can translate into wins. I think just their their youth and their wanting to prove themselves. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I I say their backcourt is dynamic. RJ showed he was a star second half this last yeah. season. Um, you're adding yeah. Jalen Brunson, who showed he's that dude in the playoffs. Um, you still have Emmanuel quickly coming off the bench. I believe Derrick Rose is still there, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty good backcourt mm-hmm. for just about anybody. So that that's a good backcourt. Mm-hmm. The front court is not too bad either if Julius Randle bounces back because Mitchell Robinson is going to be back. Yeah. Yep, love love Mitchell Robinson, but I, I say yeah. they're weak biggest weakness is defense they they couldn't yeah. stop anybody last year oh, absolutely and i don't think mm-hmm. is gonna change that so yeah and i think like the lack of a star is gonna be a problem for them yeah i agree uh bj what do you think biggest strengths and weaknesses yeah strength for me i think they have two rising stars with mm-hmm. brunson and rj barrett and i also do love um their front court Somebody I really like that they have is Jericho Sims, super yes. duper athletic. Yes. Off the I like him up behind Mitchell Robinson. Um, but their their defense is off obviously a struggling point to me. What I saw when they were in close games, um, they just have difficulty creating good shots. They don't have a guy because once Julius Randle's double teamed and going right, he's not basically in the game at that point. So just creating offense again down the stretch in close games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's look at some storylines we're watching with the Knicks this year. And the biggest storyline I'm looking at is can Julius Randle rebound, both figuratively and literally. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, <laughs> say he had a bad 21-22, he is the understatement of the century. He yeah. was supposed to be that dude and the undisputed leader of a playoff team in the Knicks, and he was a... For, for those expectations, he was a bum last year. He was oh, He complained. His body language sucked. He tried to fight his teammates. And when he was on the floor, he wasn't that effective. He was getting outworked by pretty much everybody. Couldn't rebound. Couldn't defend. Yep. And wasn't even really getting that many buckets. Horrible efficiency. And so does Julius, Julius Randle rebound? Well, figuratively and literally. That's my mm-hmm. storyline I'm watching. And I'm going to already go out on a limb and say no shot, but it is something I'm going to watch. <laughs> uh, VJ, what's what's a storyline you're watching for the Knicks this year? Um, I'm, I think the biggest one is, is Jalen Brunson worth $27 million? Does he live up to that end of the bargain? Um, and then to me, is R.J. Barrett really the guy of the future for New York? I think that's another thing. You get that big extension. So, obviously, they believe in him because it looks like they chose Donovan Mitchell over him. So, does he live up to that kind of pressure? Yeah. You guys took the words out of my mouth. Um, I had Ken uh, Julius Randle go back to his 2021 form and will JB become a superstar because that's mm-hmm. what the, his expectations are right now. And I also have another one is will the mid three turn into a big three? Will, will they become that – like Maybe. effective and that good that they can become like a, like a big three, you know? 
Yeah, Southpaw Central because they're mm-hmm. all left-handed. Yep. <laughs> Southpaw mm-hmm. Central. Love to see it. Yeah, I mean the Knicks are still interesting, but we're gonna see if they're any good or not. Yeah, I think all three of us are predicting no, but mm-hmm. yeah. BJ, where does their season end? Oh, you know, I don't see them uh, making the playoffs. You know, uh, I see them right back at the crib. Uh, I want to believe New York, but I feel like Tom Thibodeau. Once you hit the third season, that relationship runs its course. So yeah. I, I think I see them kind of flaming out. Yeah, they're in the cycle of Tom Thibodeau, which is now the downswing, and it only gets worse from here. So I, I'm with you. I have a miss in the playoffs. Deontay. I have a play-in loss. Damn. I think they come in 10th seed and lose. I guess that's okay. their ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> hate to see it. All right. Definitely one of the more intriguing teams coming into this season, the Philadelphia 76ers. What's their projected record in your mind? I think they bust – asses in the regular season i think they really do i think that if Embiid has another season like last year and james harden takes a bit like a, a, a bounce back year, has a bounce back year i think they end with a 57 and 25 record i think they're going to go harder than most teams in, re- in the regular season okay fair enough um i'm not as bullish on the 76ers um i still think they're very solid as long as joel Embiid is healthy they're going to be a really good team but I have them at 50 wins, 32 losses, which should be right around where they were last year. Um, and so I think they kind of maintain that level, which is pretty good, but not quite top tier. Um, um, I think I'm a little bullish on the Sixers for the simple fact that they went and got the old Rocket squad a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I say 54 and 28, not much higher than last year, but maybe – uh, four more wins with James Harden kind of being in the offense all year. Um, and P.J. Tucker on the roster now. Yeah. That's true. P.J. Tucker could make a big difference. Um, strengths and weaknesses. P.J., what are, what are the strengths and weaknesses of the, of the Sixers? I mean, the number one strength, obviously, is Joel Embiid to me. I think he's going to be on a mission to win MVP. I think he's tired of being, like, in second place and personally a little butthurt by it. Um, and then I think their size in the front court is going to be pretty, you know, dominate, dominating too. I think Trez is now coming off the bench for them too. Then you have Tobias and you got Matisse Thibel back there. Um, and I just feel like they'll be able to score the ball at a high clip inside and outside now. Weaknesses, I think they're kind of old though. And they got mm-hmm. like some veterans on, like this is kind of their – not their last legs, but damn near their last legs. So I think that that is an issue. It's just the age. Absolutely. Uh, strengths, I have MVP caliber in lead. If he plays like last year, they're they going to be solid. I mean, he was basically second runner and MVP last year. Um, and then I have elite playmaking by the backcourt. I think Tyrese Maxey and James Harden can score the ball, can pass the ball can produce like on all aspects on offense. I mean, um off that, that's not that's on offense. They don't they don't bring much on defense, but I think that is gonna be one of their best strengths. They can they can score without a problem, I think. Yeah. I mean obviously BJ took mine. Joel Embiid is their strength. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean they're yeah. just a different team when he's there. I mean mm-hmm. this is a guy you can't really game plan for. And so, obviously, that's their biggest strength. But I agree with BJ as well that they're a pretty big team. They have size. Yeah. So, that that, that shouldn't be a big issue. 
In my mind, their weakness is their bench. I'm not seeing a lot of dudes who can really get buckets off the bench. I think they're missing a bench scorer. I think a lot of guys on the roster are injury prone. I, I don't love the depth of the Sixers. Their starting five is very interesting, but I don't know about their bench. Um, in terms of storylines we're watching with them this year, the number one story for me, the Sixers this year, is what is their backcourt? Okay. It could go really, really good. Maxi could be a star. James Harden could be back. And this is a front court that could easily get you, you know, upwards of 50 points a game. Mm-hmm. Or it could go really bad. Maybe Maxi is Mirage. Maybe James Harden, you know, continues to be playoff Harden. Could maybe continues to struggle with his health. I don't know. Their their backcourt is fascinating. It could go really good or really bad or somewhere in between. But I, I we, it could go either way. I don't know. Dion, what's the storyline you're watching with the Sixers this year? Uh, with the Sixers, I'm watching uh Doc Rivers. I think he if he doesn't have a good start mm. season, he his his seat as a head coach in Philadelphia could be could be getting warm. I think that if they start in the first, let's say, 30 games, if they start below 500, he's gone. Even even if they start, like, just a few games above 500 because he had his chances and he produced nothing. Now he has two, maybe three superstars, and if he can't produce with them, I don't know what, like, I don't know what else you can give him. So I have Doc Rivers as my main storyline. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, at what point – does Daryl Morey's patience with Doc Rivers wear thin? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a it's a fair question. Yeah. I don't know. BJ, what's the storyline you're watching with the Sixers? Um, my, my biggest storyline is can James Harden be the James Harden of old? Can he rebound? Um, he obviously is in – they said he's in shape now. He gave up a lot of money to um, help the team out too. But then I guess what I'm wondering if Dion just said is, to me, if they get the old Rockets back together, Daryl Morey didn't – he didn't hire Doc Rivers. That was somebody yeah. else who did. Mm-hmm. So does, exactly. does Daryl Morey – yeah, does Daryl Morey call Mike D'Antoni up and bring him in? Because I feel like Doc Rivers, they're kind of tired of giving him excuses for why he can't win with good teams. So this could be this could be a make-or-break year for Doc too. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, he like Daryl Morey owes owes him no loyalty. Like, yeah, like I didn't, I didn't bring I didn't you here. You. I didn't choose you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, another good point about Doc Rivers is that even Daryl Morey's guy. Mm-hmm. That's a fair question. Exactly. All right, where does the Sixers' season end? I have them going out in the second round of the playoffs. Um, that seems to be their pattern. I think it holds. I haven't seen anything that should tell me differently one way or another. Uh, BJ, where do you think the their season ends? Uh, I totally agree. I think it's conference semis. I truly believe that's their ceiling because, to me, there are two teams clear-cut in the East. And that's the Celtics and the Bucks, and everybody else is, like, below that. So I think they go out in the conference semis second round. Dion? I – I'm going to say conference finals loss. I think that with P.J. Tucker bring, brings in a, a different perspective to me. He he usually makes it there. So, 
you know, just 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 off of that, just that's just a feeling I have for the Sixers. I'm not a Sixers fan by any means, but I, like if James Harden has a bounce back year, they have PJ Tucker in there. Uh, I think conference finals loss is their ceiling. Um, last and finally, last but certainly not least, the Toronto Raptors. The most frisky team in the conference. The friskiest team in the conference. Mm-hmm. Friskiest team. BJ, what, what's your record for the Toronto Raptors for this year? Uh, I got the Raptors coming in at 49 and 33. Just Ooh. A, shade, a shade under 50 games, like one game under 50 wins. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan, especially the Rico Hines rounds, what I was seeing from them. Big fan. Big fan. I'm, I'm right there with you. I got them at 48 and 34. Okay. For all the reasons you just mentioned, Dion. I have them at 44 and 39. Wait, no. And 38. Um, I like them. They're young. They're fast. But I think there's just way too much firepower in the East this year. So, I don't know. Okay. Well, then, give us your biggest strengths and weaknesses for the team then, Dion. Uh, I have that they're young and fast and long. Uh, I mean, every single player can, like, bring the ball up for, after a rebound. Uh, every single player can defend almost all five positions, but oh yeah, and they'll they'll catch a few teams slipping like throughout the year, so they're gonna get they're gonna get their their fair share of dubs. Um, but at the end of the day, there's there's better teams out there than them, and uh, the weakness I have is they don't really have a true superstar, and uh, so uh, like thus far, I mean somebody can turn into like an all star this season, but. Um, and the lack of shooting. I don't think they have that much shooting after Van Vliet and Gary Trent. So that those are my weaknesses. Okay. Um, I think the biggest strength of the Raptors is not even on the floor, and that's Nick Nurse. Um, I think he's one of the best oh, he's a in the NBA. Yeah. And yeah. The, the Raptors really benefit from great chemistry as well. Yeah, they really play together. They're very unselfish. Um. I love the way they play, to be perfectly honest. And you absolutely stole my weakness. They are lacking a true number one. One of my biggest pet peeves is stop acting like Pascal Siakam is a superstar. He's not. Bro, he's don't not even a, get me started. on. He's not a bum. Don't get me wrong. He's a very good player. But people keep trying to throw him in the all-NBA and all-star conversation. I guess he can be an all-star, but he's not up there with those other guys. Didn't he make all of your third team, too? Like, he got yeah. made to make that year? Yep. Stop with Pascal yeah. Siakam, okay? Uh, all right, buddy. All right. It's nothing that. against him personally. I just don't understand why he gets so much love. I really don't. So, um, But, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're lacking a true number one. They're they're lacking a true superstar in my opinion, just like Dion. Mm-hmm. BJ. Yeah, to me, I mean, I got four strengths for them. I said depth, youth, size, and Scotty Barnes. Yeah. That's one of their strengths. Really, yeah. <laughs> the run the reigning rookie of the year who looks like he is proving all of us wrong, as we have said mm-hmm. many times before. Um, their weakness to me, they remind me a lot. Of the 2004 Pistons ish, they don't have like a true guy to get you like buckets down the stretch, but they have like yeah. solid people, so they don't have a superstar. But they really remind me of a team who gets it done by committee. 
But in the East, there are like four or five teams who have those guys like that can get it done. I don't know if the Raptors can contend with that for a seven mm-hmm. game series, though. Yeah, absolutely. Um, DJ, what's the storyline you're watching with the Raptors this year? Uh, one storyline I am watching is if Scotty Barnes can ascend to All Star status this season. And if the Raptors can climb to the top four in the conference, because I think, like I said, they frisky, though, like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you on Scotty Barnes. Uh, the storyline I'm watching is what is his ceiling? We've seen he's good. Is he going to continue to get much better? Or will he kind of level off? I could see it either way. I don't know. Um, and what I'm wondering is when will Fred Van Bleet finally get the love he deserves? As Never. much as I am trying to – stop the Pascal Siakam credit train. I'm driving the Fred Van Bleet credit train. This guy it looked too much like Drake. No no I, respect for I him. <laughs> they think he's Drake out there. <laughs> I I don't on defense, on offense, I don't know how this guy gets no love. I really don't. He's really good defender for his size. Yeah, for his size. His leadership, all of it. I, I don't understand. Yeah. Big fan. No no clue. You know, mm-hmm. What are the storylines that, you're watching? That's kind of mine. That's kind of my uh storyline is can Fred Beverly stay consistent enough? Because he has games where he just like takes the night off, in my opinion. Um, and will he become that number one there? Can he become the true leader that they need, the superstar, the all NBA the all NBA player that he that he could become? And the other one is is Pascal going to stay the same as last year because it seems to me that he has one good year and then the next year is not that good. So, but mainly like the storyline is consistency. Can the because this team stay consistent enough to win games? Okay. Um, that 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 was a marathon. We not over though. Yeah. Oh, I guess that's true. One more. Um, that's me always trying to move on too soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when does their season end? Uh, I think they finish in the play-ins, and I think they're going to lose in the play-ins. Okay. I'm predicting a first-round playoff exit. That's I can see I, that, too. Yeah, I agree. I don't think they have the horses to really contend with the big boys. In the yeah. So. Peter? Yeah, I got them in the first-round playoff exit, too. That would be they, did. they just can't hang with the elite teams in the East. All right. <laughs> it's fun to talk about team, you know, the not same five teams every time. You know, I felt like all of last season, that's all anybody could talk about was Lakers, Nets, Celtics, uh, what else? Bucks, I guess, uh, Warriors. So it's, it's, I like being able to talk about every single team in the NBA. So mm-hmm. we're going to keep these division previews. And wait till we get to the West. Right. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is going to be fire. Yeah. Should be fun. All right. Before we wrap up, let's go out of bounds real quick. Talk about our non-basketball related topic. And here's my question, because it feels like pretty much every guy um, in their 30s or younger is at least a little a, a closet nerd, right? We all have our nerdy stuff that we're into, you know, at least a little bit. So, Dion... My question is, what's something nerdy that you're ashamed to admit you're into? I ain't ashamed of anything, TC. What you mean? I love that. My my life is an open book. I love that. But if I have to choose... No shame? 
I have no shame. No shame. Um, there's a few things. I don't know. Uh, I'm a huge Naruto fan. I have a skincare routine. I I get geeked when I see two judges going at it in a in a court opinion. I get really geeked. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn he called you stupid that's crazy <laughs> it, 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 it hypes me up so that that's probably it that's that's probably that one yeah <laughs> Love that. So you like naruto okay You're oh i'm the biggest naruto fan oh huge okay. huge my phone case is itachi one of my biggest questions is it seems like when did like every pro athlete get super into anime Ooh, Jamal Williams. Like, there's, there's a lot of right. Jamal Williams, uh, Zion Williamson. Like, Everybody, actually. Pretty much all of them, yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, if they're under, like, 30 years old, they're into anime. And I yeah. I think it's the strangest thing to me. Like, it seems well, like such an oxymoron of, like, for so long, anime was, like, so taboo. And, like, if you liked anime, you were untouchable, right? And, like you were this you know lowest of the low socially and then suddenly you know pro athletes are really open and super into anime i think it's great personally like i'm not into anime i guess like the very like fringe like you know i watched pokemon and like Yu-Gi-Oh as a kid but like you know i've never really been into anime but i think it's great like people should just be into whatever they're into you know mm-hmm. but I, I just think it's funny that like this was the perception of anime and now like your favorite pro athlete is, you know, really into anime. So I, I find it really funny in that way. Yeah, that's fair. Um, my thing to admit that I might, that I'm ashamed to admit, I'm also like you, I'm not really ashamed to admit it. I actually have <laughs> a whole bunch and collection of magic cards. Um, oh, I do too. That's you do? Magic the gathering. Hell yeah, dude. We'll have to play it. Someday. Absolutely. So I was into it a little bit when I was a teenager and when I was in college, but I actually got a job at a treatment center for like at-risk youth, right? Um, and it was like up yeah. this mountain, so like they couldn't have phones or internet, and they loved playing magic. And so I got back into magic to play with them. And so I was getting paid to play magic with these. With these kids, it was <laughs> That's dope. That's fun. It's fun, man. It's really strategic. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a lot of fun. There's cool artwork. Like there's 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 cool cards. It's fun. Yeah. I haven't played. A lot recently, but I still have my cards, so hey. but I could not be less ashamed to admit that. <laughs> you, you do, what's what's something nerdy you're into? Um, I, can I give three things of nerdy Absolutely. about? Hey, I did too. <laughs> All right, but um, so I literally love Excel spreadsheets, and I love like <laughs> analyzing. <laughs> that surprises me not at all. That <laughs> Literally, uh, I keep everything in this here thing device I'm recording on. I have a a spreadsheet full of my work. I track my workouts in there. I track um, my purchases each month. I track. I put. I keep everything in a spreadsheet, and I have a formula that sums all my stuff up. So I, that's how I do my budgeting and my bill stuff. I literally. I don't know why I love numbers. Like I used to hate math when I was a kid, but then as I got older, I was like, damn. This money stuff is kind of cool. Let me figure out. How to do it. <laughs> so I was like, so then I just love numbers and analyzing data. Talia will tell you, like, I'll look at something, and I'll start doing. When she, when I start doing this, she knows what I'm doing. I'm like, 
doing all this. <laughs> so yeah. Um, the third thing is DC Marvel. I'm I'm a nerd, oh, you know. Absolutely. I'll t- I'll sit there. Absolutely. I'll sit. Yeah. Like I'll and I I'll try to tell everybody like, oh my gosh, he's gonna do it. He's gonna. I'll, I'll be in the movie theater talking out loud like, oh my gosh. You know all those. <laughs> right yeah. I know the Easter eggs oh, yeah. like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it's Stan mm-hmm. Lee. Like all that stuff like nobody knows. Mm-hmm. I know that. Um, this third one though, I don't know if this is like ner- either it's either nerdy or cool, but I'm gonna say it's kind of nerdy for me. Um, I'm so much of a sneakerhead. I can tell you the make, the model, and colorway of a shoe as soon as I see it. And then based on that shoe, I can tell you what season it is that the player is wearing it. So, like, if LeBron is wearing the LeBron 6s, I could tell you, oh, that's the 08-09 season. If Kobe's wearing the Kobe 4s, I could tell you, oh, that's the 08-09 season. Like, in my head, I can look at a shoe and then visualize, like, the story of the season. And then say, oh, like, this is when it was. This is the colorway. This is the story behind it. So yeah, um, you could tell where my head was in high school. I don't want to go to the parties. We, I was trying to get sneakers. That's dope. We we gonna make a TikTok series about this. Like I'm gonna, <laughs> we, I, we we actually have to make a TikTok Absolutely. series. But like top three Kobe's, top three LeBron's, yeah. top three, like Absolutely. whatever, bro. Like we have to do this, yeah. bro. We gonna blow up with that. Mm-hmm. I like that. I love that. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Since you guys shared multiple, I'll share one more. Yeah. Please do. Um. So my my weekly routine, my weekly schedule is Mondays we record the podcast, right? Tuesdays mm-hmm. I actually have a group of buddies from college that I play Dungeons and Dragons with. Okay, I'm That's not fire. like I'm not <laughs> I'm not like an enthusiast. I'm not a purist, but like I let my buddies from college talk me into it, into trying it, and I was kind of mm-hmm. I was kind of skeptical. I was like man i don't know if i can do this like i'm cool with everybody and their hobbies but like you know i don't know if i'm into this and like i let them talk me into it and it's actually a lot of fun you got i think you have to have the right group i don't think i would do it with just anybody but like with these you know my my friends from college it's it's really fun it's 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 actually hilarious I i would love to try i just never had the group you know yeah, yeah I, I never tried. It looks fun. Based off Stranger Things, it looked. Good. Yeah, it, it looks it, fun. It's, it's fun, man. Like I, I still am not very knowledgeable. I don't know what's happening half the time, but like mm-hmm. it's it's fun. Like you yeah. know, you can. Hey. You know, it's it's a good time. I don't blame you. So. It's yeah. the simple things in in life as a grown man. It's the simple things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a good time. So, all right, you guys are listening to this. Know that we appreciate you. Are you a closet nerd or a very open and proud nerd like we are? Wait, what do you guys think about the Atlantic Division? Who do you think rises to the top this season? What do you think of Donovan Mitchell to the Cavs? What do you think? Let us know. Hit us up on social media at the Don Dagger Podcast. Let us know. Till then, we'll catch you guys next time. <laughs> no, for real. That, that should be a TikTok series. Bro, right? Yeah. That, that that could be elite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see like, oh, these here, these are the LeBron sevens. Oh, these here, these mm-hmm. are the ID Rose ones. It's MVP season. Mm-hmm. In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and and there's a there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. 
allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com. 